Ladies and gentlemen, this is the PowerShell Podcast. I can dig it. Your home for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your host, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I am super legend Jordan, along with even more super legender Andrew Plaw. Invented a new word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Some Sometimes existing language can't grasp the excellence that's before you. We're pushing boundaries over here <laughs> on the PowerShell podcast is what we're saying. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's go into the pre-show because uh, honestly, if I blow any more smoke, I'm going I'm to pass out. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a fun week. A lot of people in the community doing some awesome things. And I want to highlight what our friend Merrill said about Entra and having leaked credential detection for free in all editions of Microsoft Entra. There's a link to the tweet and the Learn Microsoft link uh, where you can learn more about it, but that's a pretty big win. Definitely want to make sure you're checking that out if you have access to that and are using Entra. Entra, it's a new name. All right. I forgot they changed stuff up. Yeah. There's also a cool module from our friend. You know Christian Ritter? We've, we've talked to him. We've talked. He's been on a roll lately, and it's really cool to see. I like highlighting that when people are like really in their contribution phase and going through that and making awesome modules. Well, there's another one. Uh, PS Module Analyzer. Christian Ritter wrote it. It is a PowerShell module to enhance the documentation quality assessment of PowerShell modules. There's Invoke Module Parameter Analyzer and Invoke Module Example Analyzer. So ones like that are important because... I'm not going to say all the time because that's that's the hyperbole. But uh, documentation is the least favorite part. Like everyone likes writing the code and everything. No one likes the the documentation part. So having something to help you along with that, or at least help you get better at it, is valuable. Yeah, it's a very cool tool. Check it out if you have feedback. I'm sure Christian's open to issues and conversations. And if you like what you see, give it a star. It's always nice to see stars on on your projects. It kind of gives you that extra fuel to keep working on them. And it's free to click. So, right. And then Mike Robbins. I'm sorry, Mike F. Robbins. I don't want to mess with his SEO. He, he wrote a blog on calculated properties, which I was excited to read because calculated properties are close to my heart. It was... It was the first thing where I needed something in PowerShell that I didn't know what it was. And yep. once once it, I found it and started clicking, it helped me do more things in PowerShell. And it's also the source of my biggest PowerShell win to date. I took a, a script that took 18 hours to run that had to run daily for a report and got it down to about an hour and 15. Wow. That is a big win. I had the same experience with it being like the first thing in PowerShell that I had no clue what was going on. Like, what was this wild syntax? Just reading it, you unless you had experience, I guess, with other similar constructs, you'd have no clue what's going on. Like, sometimes people would use label, they'd use name. Um, and I was, I copy-pasted something from the internet, right, for some 80 stuff to, like, get a user and do something to it and turn it into a CSV or something like that. And, uh, yeah, once you learn calculated properties, Oh, man, you are headed in the right direction. Always a good win. Thank you, Mike F. Robbins, the legend himself. Any other friends of the podcast uh, been blogging at all? 
Well, we rarely shout him out, so he'll be pleasantly surprised. But uh, Clayton's back with his personal vlog. He is getting started with 365 Automated Lab Part 1 right now. Now we're a few weeks behind, so maybe by the time this comes out, there'll be a Part 2. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's the project. I believe we highlighted it a few weeks ago. It is definitely worth checking out and give them some feedback. Right, now, there's something. Yeah. The community is great, but we have a guest today. Whoa, whoa. We, one more thing. Whoa, one more thing. I'm sorry. I'm jumping One more thing. You might even see Joe here. Okay. It is the PSConf EU Minicon. If you go to psconfeu.com, the homepage is currently um, set up for that. And it takes place on October 24th. And it'll take, it's a virtual event where it takes place on Gather. It's a really good time. Come by, say hello. I'll be there. Um, a lot of people in the community will be there. It's a great way to check out some awesome talks, but also have great hallway conversation. Because you have a little character you can walk around and talk to. But let's get Joe in here, because I believe uh, he was at the last one. Heyo! Welcome, Joe. I guess we should say your name. And I asked. It took me a year and a half, but instead of just butchering names, I asked. So we got uh, Joe, Joe Hughes. Yep. Yeah, howdy, y'all. I'm uh, Joe Hughes. Nobody will ever spell my last name correctly or pronounce it correctly, so I am just Joe at fullstackgeek.net. That's, that's the easy pitch, right? Perfect. So are you going to be in attendance at the PSConf EU Minicon? Yeah, the Minicon is coming up on October 24th, uh, obviously European time, but you can go to psconf.eu and register right now. It's a really cool uh, uh, virtual platform on Gather. So your your little avatar is actually like a little 8-bit character that runs around and like goes to conference tables to talk to people and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's like tables you can sit at and have talks, and it's really cool. Yeah, I, I, th yeah. I think we talked about this with an earlier guest when I did, they kind of where it wasn't in person, they tried to gamify it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's the website to help with that. We've done yeah. this in the past for a couple of VMware user group events. And it's, it's nice, even just for the fact that you can kind of customize your little avatar and, and have little sound rooms where like, as long as you're near a table, only the people that are in that area can be part of the, the little chat. But when we were all in lockdown, getting a chance to actually talk to our friends that we didn't necessarily see for, entirely too long and talk to them, you know, semi in person was, was kind of a unique experience. Yeah, it was awesome. And I believe we talked about it with Gail, um, who did the organization of the previous one. And I believe he's heavily involved in this as well. You can check out our previous interview with him, uh, in the podcast history, no clue what episode number it was, but yeah, it should be a great time. So we will see hopefully a bunch of listeners there. The, the link to the correct episode will be in the show notes though. Yes, it will. <laughs> Right, so I have an important question on this one. I'm looking for the most realistic experience I can get for a conference. So can I put my avatar in a dark corner where it doesn't talk to anybody and, and isolates itself? If not, they, they really need that as like ultra dark <laughs> mode. You know, that's yeah. yeah. I should maybe add a rave option too. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about events. Uh, I know the lockdown caused a lot of virtual events, but I believe you're pretty heavily involved in attending events and being in the community for quite a while. When did you first get involved in attending events and getting the real life experience of the community? Oh, man. Uh, my first events, 
gosh, probably would have been back in 03 or 04. Uh, the first community I was ever actually a part of was, was actually the, uh, Spiceworks community. Um, and that, that's part of why I still love Spice World, um, even though like I don't necessarily use the product that much anymore. I've got some stuff in my lab, but uh, it's it, that was the first place where I was showing up and working with peers of mine that had the same issues. And, and all of us were basically our own support system. And that absolutely got me um, into the heart of the community stuff. Uh, and then within a couple of years after that, I showed up for my first couple of uh, VMware user group events. And, and at that point I got just absolutely sucked into it. Um, I really still was just attached to the community on the side until about, uh, I think 2017 was the first year that I became a V expert and me and a buddy of mine decided to jump off the cliff and become user group leaders. Um, and it's just kind of been exponential growth since then. Have you always been into speaking or being involved in that way? I know this is tech stuff. It's like career, but like before that, were you into that? No, not at all. Uh, in fact, I, I have one of my one of my professional development and, and soft skills talks that I give is being effective at technical communication. And I am a thousand percent on this path because I had a boss who told me you are a great technician, but you are an a-hole and no one wants to work with you and you need to fix this problem if you expect to go anywhere in your career. Uh, so back in 2013, I had a, I had a manager at the time when I worked at, uh, at HCA for a local hospital. Uh, who put me on the path to fixing all of my uh, overly analytical, over-engineering, entirely too technical, and could not talk to a regular non-technical person to save my life sort of thing. Uh, he, he sorted out, uh, or identified a lot of those issues for me to work through. Now, there's a soft skills talk. How yeah. to not be an a-hole. It's <laughs> a sad man journey. Yeah. The, the the original title I had a I had a buddy of mine that challenged me to write it up a few years ago and and he wanted me to title it you suck at communicating so I was like eh, okay that's <laughs> that's fair <laughs> I would attend that one and yeah. take a lot away from it oh yeah <laughs> it's it's really I mean a lot of the stuff that I focus on there is specifically around the the technical and the how you present to people to then try and ease folks into here are some of the things you need to understand about um, <clears throat> what you're doing with nonverbal communications, you know, the way that you're standing, the way that you're approaching a crowd, the way that you're talking to people and trying to interact with them, whether or not use your hands and things like that. Uh, and just even more getting into, you know, potentially you wanting to go, especially if you're going to do this to effectively communicate to your team and to your coworkers you need to start diving a little bit into understanding personalities and, and doing a little bit of research into understanding like EQ and just being empathetic to understand where people are coming from. And, and some of it even dives into like my absolute love for Don Jones and all the things he's taught me around presenting and trying to instruct others. And a lot of it is just uh, being able to understand somebody else's perspective or explain something in a way that they can understand it. Right. I, I always make a joke of, you know, if I talk uh, binary in a, in a room full of geeks, right. You know, it's all ones and zeros and everything, but I'm like, but if I make a ones and zeros joke, I lose 50% of the audience. And I'm like, some of you chuckle at the beginning of that joke. Some of you chuckle at the end of that joke. Some people groan all the way through it. That's totally fine. I was like, but if I'm talking to non-technical folks and I need to explain, there are two options here, right? If I talk light switch, or if I go back to mechanical and say lefty, loosey, righty, tidy, like it can only ever be one of these at a time. 
so many more people that don't understand any of the acronyms I'm mentioning understand, okay, we only have these two options and it can only be one of these at a time. Right. So, so things like that, just understanding how to deliver your message more effectively without worrying about all the technical details. Yeah. The whole time you're saying this, I'm, I totally agree. I've learned a lot of the, come to the same conclusions in my career of, of the importance of these things. And you really do have to, it's like a skill. You can't just read one thing and be like, ah, got it. You kind of have to work into it and to be able to be aware of different perspectives and how people may not be coming from the same place as you and framing things appropriately is, is super helpful. I'm also thinking of like, man, the Gainesville PowerShell user group needs to hear this one. This is a great one. So I'll have to get in touch with you after this to schedule something. Sounds good. So I actually was thinking about, I didn't realize it, but I went through this kind of journey without ever realizing I was correcting it. It was, mm -hmm. uh, I have a, he's a very good friend now, but he was just starting in IT and he was on help desk. And he mentioned to me a couple years later that he was considering quitting IT because it was so isolating. And he said, every time he had a question, I'd always turn around, answer his question, and then turn back and never engage. Yep. And so he just was feeling so isolated from that. And he's like, at no point did you not help me, but I'd never felt like I fit in. And I didn't realize I was doing that for a long time. In my mind, it's like, I got work to do. It's like, here's the answer and then move on. So it's, uh, it's an interesting new approach to take where it doesn't take much to, I don't know, chat around a bit and explain why that is the answer instead of just this is the answer that was that was one of the biggest things that that manager told me even with people that i worked with people that were on my team and and guys that he knew that i respected as uh being as technical as i was and and people that i would always stop to help the most i would ever do though was not stop i would basically pause still with my hands on my keyboard occasionally glance at somebody to like give them an answer and go straight back to it and and seemed like i was agitated and annoyed the entire time that somebody asked me a question. Um, and for me, a decent bit of this actually became more of a skill set for me once I had kids and I, I had to focus or would actually try and, uh, you know, both my kids had, had uh, speech issues early on and some of it just me not being able to communicate with them. I would have to like get down and look at their level to try and understand what it is they're pointing at. Cause I really just didn't understand what it was that we're doing. And that simple act of stopping what I was doing, putting myself in their shoes to try and understand what they're trying to communicate. I was like, Oh, this is what all these people are talking about. I was like, yeah, that, that should be something that's, that's common sense when you hear it explained to you, but until you've figured it out yourself or until you've, you've forced yourself to actually try and do some of these things, it's just so far outside of the skill set that most of us have in technology, right. Or, or things we just don't focus on. So this person, he's fantastic IT. He's a veteran across the board. And if it wasn't for a sandwich, he probably would have left IT, but, uh, Nice. Yeah, the chicken pizza sandwich from Subway saved an IT career, and all of IT is better for it. There you go. That's awesome. I think that one huge benefit of working on the communication stuff is it is so self-serving at the end of the day, right? In IT, we need to be able to communicate our ideas to get access to budget, to be able to be notified. Like we want to be approachable so that whenever there's an issue, perhaps our users let us know sooner than later. Right. So there's not a huge issue there. Um, we can get more collaboration and more stuff done if there's better communication. Like it's just it's better in so many perspectives. And oftentimes what I hear from people is that it also 
empowers you to increase your earning potential a little bit. When you're able to communicate, and that's a skill that's maybe um, not the most present, like it, at least in my experience, it really seems to change the conversations you're able to have with people and um, what you can bring to the table to an employer and what you can get done in an organization because organizations are big groups of people. Yep. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got competing agendas. Everybody's short on on time, but not tasks that they've got to get accomplished. And I, I had a lot of IT departments where we rolled up to the CFO and not having someone in IT that could efficiently and effectively communicate the business needs and what IT needed to address those just hindered us all the time because we kept trying to talk about features on products and nobody cared because we couldn't say how this is going to fix whatever problem accounting's having or something like that, right? Um, putting things in terms of the business and and making it something that non-technical people can understand the benefits or the things that they are potentially losing out on by, you know, getting IT something that they need that's essentially a cheap insurance policy or something like that, right? Just being able to explain some things in, in very simplistic terms is a night and day difference with what you can actually get done inside of a lot of businesses. Is the way that you communicate and treat people part of your brand, sort of? <laughs> Not you in particular, uh, but just in general, like it's it, it, it. Apparently, it kind of has become, and and I don't try to do this, but uh, number one in a lot of the communities, it's well known that I'm. I basically can almost never say no to volunteer efforts. Um, I, I do stuff in the tech community, and then and then outside of the tech community as as volunteer work all the time. Um, my wife likes it and hates it because I, I end up spending so much time, you know, volunteering for, for other people that I don't necessarily ask for help and get stuff in return. Um, but I, I have a, a lot of people that have, uh, poked fun at me in lots of different ways over my career because of the fact that I am, uh, I try and be a nice person. Right. And, and rule number one for me is don't be a duck just with a different letter in the middle there. Right. We'll, we'll not go for the explicit tag on this one. And then everything else will sort itself out. Um, and I'm always, I'm always trying to, to just help people. Um, so just being approachable and being somebody that's willing to help folks on the technical side or with their career advancement and their professional development um, has definitely turned into a bit of a brand for me. And a lot of people... Uh, really enjoyed what that what that first manager said about me when I started sharing it that he told me that I was the most eloquent doorstop he'd ever known um so yeah like that because I think that what you do and how you treat people especially if it's a true reflection of you and like you can be consistent with it forever I think it it really is helpful especially as you network and meet more people and like you're saying getting involved in the community I think that's super helpful to having a nice long career um at yeah. least that's kind of the approach i i sort of take it's like if you're if people know who you are and you're consistent and you work on those communication skills and you get better and you feel comfortable about it like you're just really set up to have a great jumping off point in so many different ways whether that's community contributions like yep. all the way down to github if you're representing yourself like you're you're talking respectfully to people, you're giving good contributions, good feedback, whatever, people are going to be more willing to contribute to your projects, to communicate with you, to try and collaborate with you. Oh, I, I love the whole communication thing. It's just so helpful. So helpful as humans. Yeah, that it really is. And especially like with the those of us in tech that work with people around the globe, um, communication is very important, especially with people from 
different backgrounds and different cultures and just different styles of, of how everyone that they work with on a normal basis communicate with versus somebody that they're working with um, remotely. And especially if you don't know somebody personally before you're working on a project or other things with them, right? Having clear communication and having at least less chance of uh, messages that are, that are misinterpreted, whether that is technically incorrect or that somebody assumes that you were just not being polite um, in sometimes, you know, having, having that bit of a known quantity that you are a decent and nice person um, can, can save you quite often from, internet battles yeah and no one wants to work with a jerk no one does and i i think i also like them the general vibe i get in it where it's like if you know a certain amount and you've proven that you're able to learn and you're able to communicate well there's a lot of organizations that are willing to train you or willing to give you that sort of runway to be upskilled on perhaps a new technology or a different stack than what you're used to as long as you have those other skills but if you're a jerk you could be super technically evolved. And a lot of good teams aren't going to hire a jerk. Like, at least from what I talk to with my friends at different organizations and what I've experienced here, it's like, if you're a jerk, good companies know that that's not conducive to good work. Uh, maybe some won't, but you're just sort of shooting yourself in the foot and limiting what you can accomplish in your career and your earning potential as well. Yeah, there's entirely too many people in IT that don't realize, uh, especially once you get to a certain point, like how small the community is, or at least how well connected the community is. And and once it's known that you are not a nice person, that will get around very quickly. You might be fantastic technically, but they will a company will probably acquire you and shove you in a dark basement, right? And that's that's going to be your value to the organization. You're not going to be the face of an organization. You're not going to be the face of a product or a team or anything like that. And, and there are so many people that I would rather help that are lacking in technical skills, but are willing to ask for help and then willing to help other people. Like I have all the time in the world for that rather than somebody who, you know, is a technical jerk uh, and drops in to ask for help once demand that you give it to them basically, and then go off and disappear. Like I, I still loved when uh, the original version of the blog post that, Don Jones had put out around be the master that turned into the book that then evolved into, uh, I think the new, the new iteration was own your tech career. Yeah. But it was, um, basically be the master or get lost. Right. And it was, if you're, if you're not going to help other people on this journey from apprentice to journeyman to master and, and passing off your skills and your trade and all the other things that you know, and if you're not going to contribute to the community, then just get out, don't ask for help. Right. Because it's it's not it's not worth other people that are invested enough that they're going to give you the time anyway, because they are nice people. And it's not helping the community overall because you're not somebody that's going to contribute back afterwards. Right. And and some of that is just with you not being a nice person. You're also not going to be very willing to help other people. Yeah, I remember reading that. And I I like the sentiment generally. I think that the I think it's people who don't want to give back it's because i mean oftentimes this is my impression i could be wrong it's because they don't know how beneficial it is like their perspective is limited in that sense where they don't know how gratifying it is how the sense of purpose you get by being part of a community that's outside of yourself and once people are able to see that i think it's kind of hard to not 
maybe, you know, I'm pretty limited. I interact with people who are engaged in the community and who have seen that sort of light of, for me, it's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of we're way stronger together. We can accomplish way more. Our collective knowledge is way more. Um, but yeah, it's definitely true. If you're going to be in this career, in any career, really, you should really take it serious and do what you can. It'll make it easier for you, more enjoyable, increase your earning potential, increase your personal connection to the work. You'll be having better connections with other people. It's it's definitely my preferred approach. And and oh, yeah. it's so cool to hear how many people were influenced by Don and you know, shout out to him for teaching so much and sharing so many so helpful lessons. I feel like I was able to skill up hugely just from understanding his perspective and being able to apply it and be like, oh wow, that actually makes perfect sense when you put it like that. Yep. It's like things we kind of know inside but haven't really fully processed, and then you hear it, just clicks. I'm I'm just kind of amused because so many of the examples you have, I've lived. I didn't even realize I was living living things wrong. Like I I know now, but at the time you don't realize it's wrong. But uh, you're if you if you're an a hole, they'll just put you in a dark room if you're if you're skilled. At a previous job, I spent a whole lot of time. At one point, I was campaigning for them to put me under the staircase, just so people would leave me alone. Like yeah. <laughs> like I, I was actively fighting to be isolated. So it's uh it's weird that I was living within that moment and. I don't know, it changed naturally. There's no aha moment for me, but it's just it's nice that you can grow out of that on your own, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, some of it's it, some of it's having the opportunity um and and as with a lot of things, right? You've you've got to be ready to take the step when that, you know, proverbial door opens for you at the time. Like you've got to be in the mindset that you want to change something, whether that's you think something's not working, you want to get better or you're just not happy where you're at and you want to move in any direction. Um, any of those things are, are viable ways to get to that that next step. But there are too many of us in technology that just don't understand how limited we can be by focusing 100% on the technology and not being part of the community or being a good communicator or just not being a jerk. Yep. Jordan, it's funny you mentioned that under the staircase example. My second IT job, um, we had like a bunch of empty office buildings and the whole second story was empty except for the server room. And I moved my office up there just to be away from people uh, during a certain portion of my career. That surprised me to hear from you because you were the most outgoing, friendly person I know. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I am, but I've learned a lot of this stuff as my career's kind of gone on and as I've grown as an adult. Um, you know, I've seen the light of like how much more enjoyable it is when you have a good connection with people and how much easier it is to solve their problems when you already have a relationship and how much more enjoyable those interactions are. Um, a lot of the stuff Joe talked about. Well, and one thing that a lot of people really don't understand that that is a lot of the stuff that I really try and encourage in the community, like I, most of my technical content that I have is 101 level stuff, because I try and get people to understand that a lot of this is not scary. It's not super difficult. If you can watch somebody else do it, like my, my pitch at the end of every presentation I've given recently is essentially if, like if you can watch me badly copy paste my way through my own demos that I screwed up because I forgot to set it up properly or something went sideways during this, or you saw me scramble at the front 10 minutes before this thing started because my lab environment went down. Like at the end of this, nobody dies, right? This is not life or death. It's not super critical. It's, it's, it's okay. We're all learning our way through this and we're all still going to make mistakes. Even if it is our own code, our own demos, our own environments, whatever. 
right? It's none of it is really that bad. Um, and trying to get people to understand that there's always something that they have that they can share and teach to somebody else and instruct them. Or they may say something that was the same exact stuff I covered in a presentation. They explain it in a different way that a thousand times over I've done this thing and it's not worked. And they said it once to somebody else and suddenly it, it made sense because they had the right perspective or the right way of, of stating something that somebody else in the audience totally understood. Yeah. And I, I think that that was one thing I learned in my career was, you know, I'd watch people who gave talks and who gave trainings and certain YouTube videos, the Jeffrey Snover and Jason Helmick series. And I would think, yeah, I'm a normal person. These people at these big companies, they aren't. They are just special. It's because of the whole what they know. I don't know. It, they're just a different world. But then you kind of see it and you're right. They aren't speaking a different language. They don't possess otherworldly skills. You as a person learning at home at whatever company you're at, you can do amazing things. You can build great things and make great change at your organization over time. Uh, just one step at a time. You just need to slowly put these pieces together and not be too afraid to take that first step. And once you can be comfortable with that and start refining the way you learn and stuff like that, you're going to be really set up for success. But you have yeah. to take it from like the long-term approach. Like this is a career for sure. Well, and I, I had the opportunity to actually host uh, Snover and Helmick in town once because they were they were in town for a Spice World in uh, I think 2018. Um, and and Snover happened to see that the Austin Power Show user group at the time had brand new stickers we put out on Twitter, and he was like, "Oh, these are cool. Where can I get one?" And we were like, "Well, hey, you're in town next week. If you want to come present, like, we'd be glad to give you a sticker." Uh, and having him come do a talk where like we were one of the first times he was, he was practicing this talk on digital transformation and, you know, hearing him talk about how Microsoft will never have a technical fellow of cafeterias. And I was like, that's an interesting perspective. He was like, it's a really big problem. We pay a lot of money to make it somebody else's problem because we don't do that as a business. I was like, oh, that's, that's a really interesting perspective on that. But the thing that that really like had me intrigued at some of this was there's an awesome clip. I'll I'll be sure to dig up the timestamp on it and which one it was from, but from one of the PowerShell unplugs where Snover is at the front of the room trying to do a demo on PowerShell stuff and for the life of him cannot remember what parameter it is he's looking for, seeing Don Jones push him out of the way and be like, you can't type, move over, and have Snover roll into his normal, this is why we have tab completion in PowerShell because I'm a deeply flawed human being. And he's like the dude who created Monad over a weekend, you know, having problems trying to remember what parameter it was he was trying to show for his own product. You know, it's 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 stuff like that. That's the moments that, you know, if you can get the right people to see those, it's like, look, yes, we, we might all hero worship them or we appreciate that they do great things for us and in the community and they're great presenters. But all of these people are human beings. Some of them have a better skill set at doing things like presenting or being connected to the community or doing the technical, but like in the end, we're all here to help each other. Yep. And it usually, if you hold people up to too high of a pedestal, it's just cause you haven't seen the full picture, right? Like you're saying, we're all people, we all struggle. We all have skills that we're needing to put more work into and things we're great at and things that we're kind of have accepted. We're somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's kind of what makes the podcast so fun for me is I've got to, talk to the majority of the people that I had on that pedestal. And every time it's been a, a friendly conversation between people that enjoy PowerShell, which has been eye-opening for me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. 
I, I've absolutely loved where I've ended up in my career and just from some of the events that I've been at or or giving some of the talks that I have, you know, seeing uh, what three times I think this year that I had, you know, Jeff Hicks sitting in one of my presentations for doing like DevOps 101 or moving from Power CLI to API. And I'm like, why are you here in my presentation? He's like, well, I don't do this stuff. And he was like, and you always joke that if you can badly copy paste your way through it, then anybody can do it. So a couple more times of me watching this and I'll be there. And I was like, wow, that's okay. That's cool. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. Now I know you've been in this for a while. I know you've helped a lot of people. Um, how does that feel? Like from what I've seen in the tech community and my experiences is people generally love sharing the lessons that they've learned uh, by and large, especially if they're approachable or in the community in any sort of respect. A lot of people have put a lot of time and energy and personal growth type stuff, like inner thoughts into growing and learning these things. And to be able to share that with someone else and empower someone else, I think is a very fun experience. But how is that for you? Like as someone who's helping people regularly, who's involved, do you get a sense of enjoyment from that? I do. Um, I, I get as much enjoyment from from doing the events and just getting to travel and go to cities and hang out with friends of mine. Um, you know, because I'm I'm pretty well connected to a lot of the local leaders, and I've been to a decent number of events. Um, you know, recurring over the years in the past, so I know some of the regular attendees that are there. So. For me, it's cool because almost everywhere I go, I get to to hang out with friends that I have or make a couple of new friends for the next time around. Um, and seeing people that really start getting involved in the community, whether it's that they start, you know, actively chatting with people on forums or even just in their local community user groups that they start getting active on the Slack or the Discord servers and and start coming to more local meetings and ask questions and get more engaged in the conversation or seeing some people that finally get to the point that they say, okay, I really want to like submit an abstract for a conference, or I want to submit for, you know, these, these one day events to, to give a session that's, you know, anywhere from 20 minutes to 45 minutes. How do I do that? Right. And, and getting to the point of seeing people at different stages in, in their, progress for whatever it is that they're trying to get to as a goal is is kind of cool um because there have been times that you know i remember people that i've talked to in the past and it was like oh we had a conversation saying oh we should both totally do this thing 10 years ago the next time we stumble into each other 10 years later it's like hey cool we, we both have kind of made it we're doing conferences we're we're active we're not the people in the back corner that are no longer talking to anybody because we're just sitting there on our laptops the entire day, you know, trying to do work while we're still sitting here at a conference and not really engaged. That's, that's not as enjoyable for me as people that I see throughout the years to see like, as we're all making progress along the way. Um, and yeah, seeing, seeing people that really want to get involved and want to start giving back, either becoming a leader uh, in a local user group or in a community uh, online or people that start moving towards wanting to present is awesome. Um, one of the one of the greatest things that I actually got in my career that made me feel like I um, have have definitely progressed myself from where I was ten years ago to now, and that I made a real impact for somebody else um, was I gave a presentation that was around um, uh, how to excel as a mentor and a mentee. Right, so so very professional development, soft skills focused one. And I hadn't given it in a while. Um, and I, I, I get way more nervous about giving a 
professional development or a communications talk to somebody than giving a technical talk. Because the technical talk, if the demos go wrong, whatever. Like you get credit because you did it live um, or everybody expects that demos are going to fail. If you're giving a communications or a professional development talk and it goes badly, especially one about mentoring where I'm trying to convince people to either ask for help or help other people, I was I was afraid that that's going to give somebody a um, a bad feeling about continuing with things like that, right? It's like, oh, well, hey, this guy's pushing me to do it, but he's not really that great at it, so eh, maybe I'm not interested. So I'm I'm always worried about giving the professional development talks because those can either have, to me, a significantly bigger impact to a wider audience of people than doing a technical demo, or it can be not as convincing as it should be for folks that they should really work on some of these skills or that they should progress themselves. But I gave this talk and then, um, uh, come December last year, uh, right at the end of the year, I actually got a card that was from a kid whose dad had, uh, been in my presentation and had pushed himself to work on some communications, to do some mentoring, to go ask for a, uh, both a trainer on some technical stuff he wanted to work on and a coach for professional development, uh, right. That was actually going to be a mentor for him. Cause he understood there were two different things after, after some stuff that I'd said in my talk on that. And his kid sent me a, a Christmas card because his dad had gotten a new job and had bought him. Um, like one of my, one of my favorite things that I, that I always have in my presentations for technical stuff is that one of the things I put together is my, uh, Voltron Lego set with my kids. So he went and bought that Lego set for his kid as a Christmas present because he had gotten more money with a new job and getting a Christmas card from that kid was like, that was one of those like pinnacle of my career kind of things. So I was like, that's cool that I had like real impact on like one person from giving this talk that I was absolutely terrified standing up in the front of the room thinking I was going to do a bad job with it. Right. Um, and then, you know, the beginning of this year, I ended up uh, taking up a role to be our chief technology officer for, the community outreach program that my local dads group has. So we're a group of about 2000 dads that spun up a Facebook group years and years ago. And, you know, we've paid out an absolute insane amount of money for charitable contributions. Um, but me being able to do a lot of the technology, me being able to talk to other people, uh, me being able to be a, a champion and a sponsor for our mental health program and, and working with our group to apply for grants anywhere from the town to like the federal level. A lot of that comes from all these things that I've pushed myself to do in my career. And I'm still not great at it, but looking at other people that are my age or people that are in tech or out of tech that have not focused on this stuff and haven't put in actual effort to try and work on communications and professional development. I'm like, Oh man, like if I had stayed on the same path, that's where I would be. And I, I would not be able to do some of these things that I'm really wanting to have a, a real impact in the world. So like, it's, it's worth it to me to look back at the investment and say, this is awesome. And it's, it's absolutely worth it to push other people to gain a lot of these skills. That's a huge impact. You know, whenever we started the podcast, I always thought like one to two people, if we ever help that many, it'll be so worth it because like you're saying, there's such a real world tangible thing. It's not just, oh, they can do this cool type, this cool command and then fancy things happen. It is impacting a child's life, a family's life, someone's enjoyment and quality of life overall, the work environment, the type of teams they're able to now work on, <clears throat> the relationships that they'll have in their life. And it, it is just, I've mentioned this before, and a lot of our longtime listeners have 
probably uh, heard it a few times, but it's just so efficient. It is such an efficient use of time to empower someone else and to give them skills that they can then propagate to others and have a bigger impact. And your sort of web, web of impact just keeps growing and growing. And, you know, it sounds like you've put a lot of effort into growing some of these skills and to be able to fully capitalize on those hours, the life experiences, the, the effort that you've put in um, in the biggest way possible is huge. And what I've also found is that that approach that you're mentioning of trying to help others and empower them to do their, their next thing, it ultimately leads to a healthy career. Uh, in terms of like, you're going to be taken care of if you have this consistent approach for a long time. It's just too efficient. If you know enough people, it, it speaks for your character in such a way. So it's very cool. You're definitely one of the people who I've learned from. And, you know, I have a few people, but they're like, in five years, I'd love to be on that level of doing things. So thanks for being a great inspiration and being a great role model and doing all the awesome stuff that you do. I mean, honestly, I feel like I've gotten from being nowhere uh, in five years, right? So a lot of this has been learn on the fly once I stepped into a leader role and realized I'm not very good at some of these things. So I need to work on this and and make it better. And being in lockdown, honestly, helped me a lot because of the fact that I was like, well, we have all these events we're trying to put on. We're trying to talk to people. We're trying to keep people connected and all of this. So that pushed me to be more social from the community aspect of not just let me talk to my friends, but let me involve other people in this conversation. Let me be an available resource for more people that need this and do virtual happy hours or do coffee chats or do a lot of uh, presentations, you know, where, where it was online only. And a lot of people didn't want to do this. And I was like, well, I'm not great at it, but I'll contribute. Right. And, and to me, that's the biggest thing is, if I see somebody that's willing to help someone else, then I'm like, cool, you and I are one in the same and I will help you to the end of the earth over somebody else who is not as willing to contribute at least. Right. Definitely. Yeah. That willingness and that ability to learn. And another thing this conversation reminds me of is, you know, Jordan, you mentioned, we talked to all these people we look up to and it seems like in a whole lot of them, a lot of people's, one of their big takeaways from their career is that they wish they would have invested in communication skills sooner, right? Because that becomes the crutch. You can have all the technical stuff, but you're not going to be able to implement it without those communication skills. And just hearing it from so many different people, it, it certainly rings true. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's really awesome to see where we are now with technology and the community and, and how easy it is to be connected to other people. Uh, because of the fact that, you know, to your point, like if you, if you are active in the community and if you're a known quantity, and if you, if you have that track record of being a nice person and being somebody that's willing to help out, then yes, it absolutely takes your career entirely to the next level. You know, my last probably four jobs now were essentially handed to me just because, Hey, we know you do these things. And if you're interested, it's, it's yours essentially, right? My, my interviews all turned into let's do culture fit. Um, and, and even half of those were, you already know half the team you're interviewing with, but like we're on your hiring panel. So we kind of have to go through these interviews anyway. So it's like a half hour catch up with an old friend, uh, rather than actually doing any interview on technical skills. And can you do these things? And, and, you know, going back to the old technical jokes of like, well, they me all the FISMO roles, right? None of that stuff. Once you get to a certain point, like that all goes away. 
So it's interesting because where Andrew and I both work, uh, the cultural part of the interview is just as important as the technical. I wonder if that's just becoming more common where it used to be kind of an unheard of, they didn't care as, can't, do you know the tech? But I wonder if the culture fit is just becoming more and more common just as more people gain awareness. I really hope so. Um, because again, like I, you know, teaching somebody the technical skills is not super critical or the more that we work on making these things more accessible with, with better tooling or more automation or all this other stuff, right. That, that technical skill set goes away beyond a lot of the, you need to be able to troubleshoot. You need to be able to understand what we have and how it goes together, but you don't necessarily need to implement absolutely everything on your own. But Working with the team of, team of people, especially if not every person has every skill that's required for every role in the org, you're going to have to work together. So you need a good team more than you need somebody that knows every piece of the technology inside and out and cannot work with everyone else. Uh, I think it's the appropriate approach if you're trying to build a healthy and growing system. You have to approach it from the right perspective. If you're trying to barely maintain a crappy IT infrastructure and you're behind and there's no leadership buy-in, then yeah, maybe you'll just sacrifice the communication skills because this person has um, this skill set that the salary range you have will only return a few results. Um, right. Whereas more mature orgs will be willing to train. They'll have more of those resources. They'll have a better understanding of the benefits of documentation and uh, maybe some configuration stuff going on, but just I think IT maturity plays into it. And it's nice to see that so many orgs demonstrate that they like culture. So yeah. the, the main takeaway I'm hearing is if you don't want to work on communication skills, you better specialize because you got to become so valuable that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I think you're missing out though, if you go that approach, but yeah, you might be able to, to hack it. Yeah. See, and I, like I try and pitch to people all the time, especially or like specifically around the automation stuff. I'm like, your value to your organization is making it so that the things that you are a subject matter expert in, you can document your business process in the most efficient way possible, which is actually what you're doing with the automation. You have to write down the process to put it in the automation. And you're making it so that a thousand other people can do that thing. And then you can go work on more interesting problems for the business, right? It's not that you're the person that knows all the buttons to push in the right order. Cool. Make it so that a thousand other people can do that and then go tackle another problem, right? That's the too many people are, are still stuck in the, you know, my job security is that I'm the person for this thing. Like, do, do you really want to only do that? Because then you can't ever go on vacation. You can't, you know, get promoted. You can't go do other stuff that you want to do because you're the person for that one thing all the time. As, as the as the guy who had work call him on his honeymoon three days in a row for a problem that no one had been trained on, I'm all for having more people able to do stuff because it's been it's been over a decade and I'm still in trouble. Honestly, I've I've had more um, IT managers that have asked me about that in the past two years. That's been surprising to me because they said, "Like we don't want to do this. How do we get out of it?" And I said, "Well, flip it around." I said. If this person were to resign tomorrow or drop notice at the end of the day today and not come back tomorrow morning, would you figure it out? Yes. Okay. So they get hit by a bus. They walk out the door, whatever it is, they're not here. Come tomorrow. You're going to figure it out. Is it really critical? And is it, is it, you know, life or death right now that you've got to bother somebody on their time off to do this thing rather than use it as an opportunity to either 
fix this by having somebody else figure it out, look through their notes or whatever, or you now need to go write down all the other things that were impacted to tell the one person that does that thing when they come back that they need to properly document it. They need to make sure there's at least a backup and, and a secondary that can do this thing so that they don't get called the next time. Like address it that way, right? Yeah. And you know what? When you're having those conversations with your manager or whoever it needs to happen with, guess what's going to help you have that conversation? Those communication skills for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of, or a good number of people in IT who are, they don't have a back and forth communication with their manager. And for them to implement that out of the blue might be challenging. But if you have that kind of base of communication skills, that base understanding of like, hey, here's kind of what's acceptable and best practice. And here's how to communicate it without sounding like a jerk who's, you know, shouting things at your manager. Because ultimately these are businesses and they do have to make business choices and we may not always agree with them. They may not always be good, but. Right. And I mean, honestly, all of your communication skills in the world are only going to go so far if your manager or if your company leadership says that it's uh, that it's acceptable for them to call you on your honeymoon. That's, you know, that might be the thing that makes you consider to bump up those communication skills and go find another job. Yeah, I got to tell you that that is not forgotten quickly. Right. At one point, I thought I was slick and I was like, oh, I got you a spa day. And then it went and worked. And then I wasn't done work when she got back and then the jig was up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I think we all want to work for orgs that are supportive, that have a good culture, that empower us to do our jobs, that see things from maybe a, a good perspective. And if we're not in a role that is hitting those needs for us, if we're not happy, don't be afraid to upskill and explore and see what's out there and get involved in the community and, and learn what's current and what companies are looking for. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to have the opportunity to be hit up by other people in the community to say, I'm looking for somebody that has these skills or that can do this thing and be like, Oh, I know the person, let me connect you. And like, that's essentially what it takes for, for people to get a job a handful of times. Definitely helps. Um, I was reading something, someone posted something on LinkedIn about how, you know, the time to start getting involved on LinkedIn is not when you're just now looking for a job. Or oh, yeah. to, to work on your social network, I think, in general. Like, it's not when you just need it. You need to be planting those seeds ahead of time. You need to be demonstrating your character and doing things and getting involved. The sooner, the better. Um, yep. Things change. Yeah, and I mean, it's some of it, too, you, you really need to decide um, how involved you want to get. Because especially with the networking, with the social connections, um, it's it is a machine you have to feed if you want to be effective at it. You can't you can't. It's 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 the same as as a lot of skills mastery, right? You can't put a hundred hours into something one time and assume that you're going to master it, and then we'll still have that same amount of skill two, three, five years down the road. But if you do something to the level of you know the fifteen minutes a day for a year, by getting that that. Um, repetition into it, right? You're going to be much better at it and you're going to be much more likely to stick with it over time. But there is going to be an amount of time that you feel like it's worth or that if you're not getting back a certain amount of return from it, that you're not going to keep doing with it. So it's, it's kind of up to you to decide what that is ahead of time, because doing the networking and doing all the social um, aspect of the community, it, it does require a lot uh, and, and some people are also just like 
not that invested in it. They want the they want the benefits of it. They want to be a known quantity. They don't need to be everybody's best friend. They don't necessarily need to see everybody in person all the time. Um, yeah. You know, some of those some of us feed off of that a little bit more than than others. But for me, the handful of times that it's that it's come into play, you know, where last year going to Australia and having a friend who was willing to drive two hours round trip to come from his house to the airport to pick me up in the morning, make sure I got breakfast and like drop me off at my hotel. And then if they didn't have a room available for me to like, you know, hang out with me for a few hours until something was ready at like seven in the morning on a Saturday with, with, you know, a handful of days notice. I was like, well, that's cool. Or having friends of mine that, you know, are passing through town. And I've, you know, a couple of times before gone to like meet them, pick them up at the airport to go just grab food and stuff and, and go take them back a couple hours later or go spend two hours with somebody where it took me three times as long to go drive and hang out with them. But to have that, that connection to me was important enough that it was, that it was worth it. And there have been a few of those people that I've had in my career. And, and I've been that person for a few others where they know, like if there's an absolute need for one of these things to happen, like that's, that's the person you go to. And if they can't, that will find somebody else. And, and that's, that's not a bad thing to have in your back pocket. Definitely not. And I think you highlighted another benefit of it earlier of, of having those relationships is you get to go to conferences and see friends. You get to grow through your career with other people and see their changes. And maybe they get put into a new role that's cool. And it's yep. it's gratifying from that aspect. Um, to your point about getting involved in the community and kind of slowly investing and slowly growing, I can really relate to that. Whenever I created my first public, like, okay, this is going to be related to my IT career account, I was nervous. That was its own step. I took a couple months off after that. Then I wrote my first blog post and that was a thing where I was like, okay, I'm just going to post it and there's going to be errors, but that's okay. And then that sort of became normal over time. You kind of keep writing them and you know, yep. slowly but surely you sort of get to a place of comfort where you can do more than you ever thought you could initially or probably couldn't initially right out of the gate. Yeah, I uh, I was at a conference in what, May of 2017 when somebody that I, I was having a conversation with them for like an hour. Right. It was it was one of the guys that I kind of hero worshipped in the VMware community and a friend of mine who I'd known for years and years took me over to go introduce me and make sure we had a conversation and they were friends, but they were, they were absolutely acting like frenemies. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what is this? How did I get dragged into this thing? This is super awkward until I realized they were just joking with each other and everything. And, and the person that I went to go talk to was like, Hey, let me follow you on Twitter. What's your handle? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe Hughes. You'll never find me this and that, whatever. And he looks and he was like, wow. He was like, dude, protected tweets and like no profile picture. He was like, pull out your phone. We're fixing this right now. And I mean, like that was one of the first steps to get me involved in the community was somebody saying, you're not leaving until we get you connected and, and make sure that you're involved and that other people can at least find you. Like you can choose not to connect with them or, or whatever or, or not be super active. But he was like you're going to be, you're going to be hindered in your career. If you're really trying to get into, uh, the tech and the speaking in the community and all of this stuff, if you are not, you know, making that first, that first step. And, and it's, it's a little bit scary sometimes. Uh, one of the things I pushed myself to do when I was at, at, uh, the power selling DevOps summit this year was to try and bring other people into the conversation just because of the fact that I've, I flipped from being an introvert to an extrovert. Um, and, and, I've been involved in enough different communities that 
I've just gotten used to trying to bring other people into the conversation. And I've, I've seen how many, um, connections and how many actual friends that I've made from this over the years that I always want to try and give everybody a little, at least the opportunity to get into that easily. So when I would see people that were standing eight to 10 feet away, you know, listening to a conversation, laughing at some of the jokes, but not coming to sit and, and join, it was like every time I would, you know, either, either take around, uh, you know, to go get a, a drink at the bar or something, or would just go walk around and, and, you know, chat with people individually. It was like, Hey, why don't you come have a seat and come join and everything like that. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's all that it takes is somebody being inviting and somebody just asking, would you like to be a part of this conversation? Because like, I will absolutely introduce any person to everyone that I have in my network. And I feel like that's, that's one of the few things that I have to offer to almost everybody is just, I'm not the person 99.9% .9 of the time that you're looking for, but I know who that person is, or I know somebody else that can get me to them. And they're willing to take my phone call or text or Slack message or whatever. Same. It's my favorite part about Summit is, you know, you mentioned earlier nonverbal communication. And a lot of times you can see people who are maybe hesitant or maybe, you know, a little shy or whatever. And if you can bridge that gap for them and show them that, hey, this is actually super accepting community. We're awesome. Uh, get involved, communicate. Well, they can take that experience with them and it can often be really impactful. And all it took on our end was just a short sentence where we're already familiar with the people. It's pretty simple. And all of a sudden you can empower someone to oftentimes share some really cool stuff that they have going on or that they've learned or that they've some weird issue they've seen at work that someone else has. Um, it's just, it's so great being a bridge builder of sorts. Yeah. yeah. This year at Summit, a lot of times Andrew and I, like we work together a lot between shooting extra podcast episodes and writing, but at mill time, I think almost every time we just separated, went into random tables just to make sure we met more people. It, it's, yep. it's a better experience if you're out there meeting everyone. Oh yeah. Coming from someone who spent his life avoiding it. It's still better. And shout out to the Taco yeah, Bell is. crew if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, in bed for that. I missed I missed the Taco Bell. <laughs> well, so funny enough, one of the guys from the Taco Bell crew, I, I was almost gonna meet up with him when I was down doing a uh was it sequel Saturday Baton Rouge because I was like yeah. gonna be in, in Louisiana. It's like it's only like an hour away from me. Let's see if we can coordinate just to go like grab a coffee or something. It didn't end up working out, but I'm like the fact that, you know, three, four months after having an event where we met each other for the first time, you know, like knowing that you have somebody that's in the area to be able to reach out and say, hey, I'm here. We should, you know, try and hang out. Um, you know, there, there have been probably three other events this year that I've gone to since PowerShell Summit where I've seen one or more people that I met at summit and it's it's cool to just continue making those connections and and again most of us will introduce you to the next crowd at the next event yeah i, I think it might be kevin you're talking about but yep. yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's so much more gratifying to have a bunch of friends and stuff and once you know people on somewhat of a personal level it also kind of demystifies like oh yeah there's people all over the industry doing all kinds of stuff that are regular people right you could see yourself in their shoes, you know, if you did a couple trainings here and there and you can uh, share some successes. Right. But Jordan, we've had a lot of good questions, Jordan. Do you have any harder ones? I do. I actually have three of them that no one's ready for. Oh, you know, I, we always joke about how these are difficult, but now that I had to do the third question in a blog <laughs> form, it's not a joke. I apologize to all of our previous guests for taking this lightly. All right, but <laughs> are you ready, Joe, for the three common parameters? Let's let's have it. 
What's one time at work where something didn't go quite right? And what did you learn from it? Oh man. Um, let's see. So yeah, one of the, one of the best experiences that I had from this was, uh, this was actually my probably second week, I think working at the hospital, we were cutting over a hospital being acquired from one network to another. Uh, and, and I trusted, you know, the network guy, he was like, Hey, I just need somebody to go there physically on site and just, we're going to disconnect cables from the top switch, connect it to the bottom one, flip everybody over to the network. It's a bunch of thin clients. They'll all reboot. We're good. Cool. Sounds good. Like we'll go do that. And then I'll go to lunch, get over there, start ripping out all the cables. Once we hit our little maintenance window and everything. And I'm like three and a half minutes into it, right. Just, just popping in the last couple of cables. And I have somebody just beating on the door outside of the, uh, the server room. I was like, Oh God, something just happened. You know? And I'm like, of course I'm the new guy and I'm here. Ended up being the, the, you know, lead cardiologist for the practice who was beating on the door and he was like, Hey, I know you guys told us we were doing this network cutover today. And like, we were going to be on the new corporate network and everything was going to be strict. And dude, I swear I was only looking at ESPN for like four seconds and it, it just like everything cut off. And I was like, that's right. We're always watching. We know as soon as you do these things, like this is the one time I will reconnect you, but like never again. And you go tell all your friends that like, we're always watching, you know? I, I don't know where it came from. It was dumb luck that I could think on my feet that fast as I was just like, Oh my God, I'm about to get fired for, for cutting off the entire network or whatever. And it, like, and none of it was that big of a deal, right? It, at the worst during lunch, when nobody was supposed to be in patient rooms, we disconnected thin clients that would have had to be reconnected. So like, Oh, get a call from the guy. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, rec three instead of four. I'm like, Oh, thanks dude. You know, but it's one of those things like you need to just consider how bad is the thing you're in the middle of? And like, what is your reaction going to be to this? Like I could have, I could have owned up to the guy and and it would have made no difference in the end of like, yeah, sorry, we identified the wrong switch. But like during lunch, when we had this maintenance window, when we had an outage, yeah, so be it. But it's just, you know, you've, you've got to consider what it is you're doing. And, and sometimes again, back to the, the communication skills, right? How you, how you react can, uh, can have entirely different results at the end of whatever happens in your work life. I like That's that. That's a pass. One. He succeeded. Yeah, I like that one. That one is uh, a <laughs> unique take. I like it. I also like how you threatened the top cardiologist. That's that's a yeah, boss move. It, for for like a year afterwards, you know, I finally went and told him, and he was like, "Oh, you're kidding me." I was like, "No," but I was like, "But you behaved." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question two, it only gets more difficult. With all your information, everything you know now, what is one bit of advice you would like to go back and give your younger self? Oh, man. Um, so there's there's two that kind of go hand in hand, um, I would say. And like I've, I've already stated one in here, which is, you know, rule number one is don't be a duck. Everything else will will sort itself out. Um, as long as you are a decent person and as long as you are willing to own up to your mistakes and help other people, most of the time that should get you through anything, right? If you have bad leadership and other stuff, maybe not so much. Then again, that's maybe not an organization you necessarily want to be in. Um, and then I had somebody else that gave me really, really good advice, which is you only get the one, right? Whether it's a first impression, whether it's a free pass of like, I didn't know this thing and I made a mistake. You only get to drop an F-bomb once in a ticket before somebody warns you there's an official policy that you can't do it in the future and you only get one life. So whatever it is, right, be impactful and and don't always assume that you get a redo on things. I like it. 
All right. Now the third one, and this is the one where I apologize to all the previous guests where I made it light work like this wasn't serious. This is the most difficult thing I've ever had to answer. What are your three favorite PowerShell modules? So fortunately, this one wasn't terribly difficult just after you mentioned it in the in the pre-show for me to go through and look at. I, <laughs> I agree with you on PS Readline. That one is, is absolutely fantastic because uh, in the past, I've always relied on Start Transcript. I have that in my profile. I can go through uh, OneDrive or Google Drive and search through like eight or nine years worth of PowerShell history at the console because I've always kept a transcript. And when I figure something out, I throw in a bunch of comments for me to have like search terms to go back for because I cannot remember stuff to save my life. So having P PS Readline for the um, for the completion history is absolutely fantastic. Uh, PS Cones was my second favorite one uh, for teaching people some of the basics and getting people into understanding Pester and just a lot more of the testing methodology and doing it in such a um, like kind of a Zen way where it was not oh my gosh, you broke this thing. You did it wrong. It was, it was meant as a learning journey and it encouraged people to like move to the next step and just kind of gave this overall impression that we're all working our way through learning these things. And it's okay that you're only at this early step versus this later step and, and you're you know, figuring things out along the way. Um, and then I also agree with you on DBA tools. I absolutely love that one. Cause I actually did, uh, eight or nine, uh, rounds of manuscript reviews for the book for learn dba tools and a month of lunches i'm not a dba i know enough to be dangerous inside of sql and i know enough to say select star to just agitate dbas every time i'm around them um but honestly like doing the review on the book and seeing where that tool started and where it grew towards and um learning the amount of stuff that I have from just the community involvement and the GitHub aspect of it and doing all the testing and things that they're doing at scale and seeing what they were having to do to build that tool to the level that it's at. I learned way more about so many things that have nothing to do with SQL uh, related to that on both the manuscript review and like the publishing aspect of it, as well as uh, doing stuff within the actual tool and just following what they're doing to, to build the thing out. It's been a fantastic journey for me. And I would challenge people to go look at how it's built and, and uh, listen to some of the presentations that the team has put, uh, put forward around like how they actually built it. Yeah. I felt like I was cheating with that one. Cause I've never been a heavy user of it. I've never been a DBA, but everyone that has used it that we've talked to, the praise they had for it. I just figured getting information, maybe if someone was getting down that path and that helped them stumble across the tool, it yeah. seemed worth bringing up. So it was one, even though it's not uh, one I've been heavily using, it feels like it's one that everyone should know about. To me, honestly, even just picking apart the code and seeing how they're doing some of the stuff with handling threading and handling connections and, and other things like that, it's it's built to deal with things at such scale that a lot of us don't have, or going back and looking at, you know, original questions I was asking around in the Spiceworks forum or on powershell.org of, of, Hey, this thing runs great. When I do it 10 times, when I run it a thousand times, it's got awful, terrible, slow and everything. And it's like, Oh, well, yeah, don't use plus equals when you're doing arrays and things like, right. It's, it's a lot of the stuff where it's like, why are they doing it this way? And as you go learn and dig into it, or, or even just read through some of the comments on, on what they've made for the change history on it, you can see how much they've had process improvement throughout um, the years that they've been working on this. It has been super impressive to see. And the community that they have around it is also vibrant and awesome. 
Shout out to them. Yep. Well, we have a, a special treat for you, Joe. Uh-oh. You, you, you sat here, you talked about how much you love appropriate communication, how, how much it's moved to occur. But I don't know if you realize it, but you have been in the presence of a world authority on a certain type of communication. Uh-oh. So people have, have gathered around the world just to listen to Andrew shill a podcast. And everyone who sees it, even knowing what they're getting going into it, has still been moved to tears because he is a generational talent. He is what everyone should strive to be in in the you know the avenue of shilling. And you get a front row seat to just watch magic happen. Oh, let's hear it. Beloved listeners, thank you for listening. We had a fun time, an amazing conversation with Joe. We covered so many topics. We went deep. We tapped into our life experiences. Now, if you could, please leave a like, comment, a subscription. would be fantastic. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can listen to us anywhere. We're worldwide. Number 249 in Taiwan. You can email feedback, powershell at pdq.com. Uh, you can find our podcast on X at PowerShell Pod. I'm Andrew Plotek. He's DevOps Jordan. And Joe, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me lots of places. The easiest thing to do is just go to fullstackgeek.net and find all the social links from there. Boom. And they'll also be in the show notes. Joe, so great to have you on. Appreciate you joining us, sharing all your lessons with us and highlighting the importance of communication. Thanks, y'all. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.